Stop the press, it's on! After two sellout events, the Wellness Summit returns to Melbourne in 2015 for two days of powerhouse wellness with your favourite wellness couch hosts and Australia's wellness elite. Join us at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre on Saturday, August 15 and 16 for an inspirational, educational, fun, exciting, sensational cocktail of wellness that promises to help you take your life to the next level. Tickets are going like hotcakes and why wouldn't they be? Two days of powerhouse wellness featuring the Up For A Chat girl the new couch rock star Kale Brock, the natural nutritionist Steph Lowe, special guest Nat Cream Gudis, Quirky Joe Witten, Marcus Pierce, the Wellness Guys, and more. A limited number of two for one tickets are now available to the public, but you must hurry before they sell out. To find out more, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello, how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. And today, I'm very lucky to be talking to the amazing Vicky Kelly, who some of the listeners, listeners may know from One Minute Mindfulness. And Vicky offers over 20 years' experience in mindset development and training. And she juggles a variety of roles, including being a mum of three fabulous children, a business owner, a friend, a director, a speaker, and a lover of life experience. So welcome, Vicky. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show, Carrie. It was it's always great in the uh you know, before the recording starts, before we push record, I got to um connect with you and learn a little bit about what what you're doing and I'm a, a raving fan of your show. So thank oh, you. Thank Thanks you. for having me on on your show. I feel very honored and privileged. Oh no, well likewise. I'm very, <laughs> very pleased to have you. Because you're you're an old you're an old you're an old hand at it now, you know, you've got lots of shows <laughs> under you about. I'm just a newbie. <laughs> well, yes, it and it goes so fast and it and it is so lovely to be able to uh, share information and, and let that fall on the ears of the listeners and hopefully gives them some ideas. And me too, you know, one of the, the greatest parts of doing a podcast is I have this very privileged opportunity to be able to speak with wonderful people like yourself and and hear your experiences and and how you're sharing your message as well so Vicky tell us all the listeners a bit about yourself and how you ended up on the wellness couch well it's uh like all stories it's it's interesting my my uh in my late teens I was going through some emotional uh challenges and my parents were very committed to natural healing processes and so I um, wasn't part of the Western system at all and so delved into meditation. And at that time it was Vipassana, so that's 10-day retreats in solitude and fell in love with uh, contemplative practice at that time and um, attended lots and lots and lots of of programs. And then over the years studied hypnotherapy and specialised in conversational trance, although I have never practised hypnotherapy. Um, And then... Then life happened and I fell in love and got married and got a job and a mortgage and three beautiful children and checking out of life for 10 days in Vipassana was um, impossible. (laughs) 
sometimes finding time to breathe for five breaths was impossible with Mm. all that going on and so for myself for myself with you know the discovery of trying to find time to still um, practice my contemplative work in in short sound bites and then fast you know fast track probably 15 years ahead and I had the opportunity to work with uh, Damien, who's on the Wellness Guys, uh, he in his on his Downsize Me show in New Zealand. People who live in New Zealand would know there was a it was a reality TV show on uh, getting people with eating disorders on all ends of the spectrum and helping them through a, a boot camp style. And I was the mindset coach, and most of my work was done behind the scenes. And I, I was on a few uh, episodes where my my techniques were really glorified, you know, the, into very, very small sound bites. And so I became the lady who could stop people eating, which I, I'm not sure whether I like that badge. <laughs> yes, it does sound like not very helpful. But obviously, you know, part of that journey, though, where you started to learn more about, um, and I think that's probably the same for most therapists, is learning how how people work in different types of pressure. And, you know, that can be quite intense in those kinds of settings. Well, it was interesting, Carrie. You know that the the people that we worked with were um, mostly chronically overweight, and they'd had life cycle of decades and decades of yo-yo dieting and going backwards and forwards and and gaining slimness and then gaining weight. And and so when I met these people, and it was really my first introduction to working um, with eating disorders of any kind, when I met these people, they were really disconnected. They yes. knew more about they knew more about dieting and about their condition and the life condition they found themselves in than any of the therapists or coaches or it was quite quite incredible and so all it almost out of um, just by accident I just I understood mindfulness I understood my own practice of of mindfulness and. What I trusted was that when people are mindful, when they're paying attention, they just naturally make better choices. We're not wired that way, but when we can call our attention back to the here and now, we naturally make just better choices. So essentially, I was just training these people in short um, bursts to train their attention and then liberate that attention in in a way to make a better choice just for now, It did not for next time just for now and what that did the 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 weight just started falling off people and particularly around their midriff because we were using lots of breath work and breath work uh, as we've researched later on is we hold a lot of stress around or when we're stressed we hold a lot of uh weight around our midriff and so when they could cool their system off cool that sympathetic overload system off and invite the parasympathetic rest and digest system through their breathing in without necessarily making too many additional changes to what they're already doing they just began to experience themselves in a form that they never had before and that was the really exciting part and certainly the launch of my uh, passion for researching, well, what's in this? What's in this short-form mindfulness practice that is helping these people? And then I started to apply it in uh, across many other areas, in, including corporate, in the corporate world. 
and with amazing results, absolutely amazing results. And so today I find myself uh, teaching and promoting and helping people to just call their attention back in short sound bites through their breath or through a smile or through brushing their teeth with their opposite hand, anything that will um, call their attention back from being hijacked out there and distracted. And people love it because it's something that they can do without necessarily having to find extra time. That sounds great. And that, and often that's the response I'll hear from people is, you know, I don't have time to sit and do mindfulness practice for 10 minutes. And I no, think, exactly. That's you know, exactly, exactly right. And I think it's, um, I think it's partly a misunderstanding that, I mean, which I say to myself sometimes too, like, I really, I really feel like I need to do some meditation practice and feeling that 10 minutes is just asking too much is, is kind of this horrible irony. It's like, <laughs> but if I just gave it that 10 minutes, yeah. um, I'm the, that experience pays off throughout the next day or, or sleep quality. But and as what you said, yeah, what we're learning and discovering is it's if you just, if all you did was, was take one mindful breath for the next 30 days, once a day, every day, that, uh, calling back of the attention and that strengthening of your capacity to pay attention has a compounding effect. Yes, it's like a fitness almost, like mm. building a fitness yeah. for the, that the presence. The mind is a, is a the, the mental muscle is um, can be strengthened. <laughs> yes. And so in that, you mentioned before that disconnection and in terms of people with um, whether it's addictive behaviours or uh, weight issues, so what kind of feedback do you remember where you were getting from people when they did they obviously agreed with you that there was a disconnection they they intellectually knew all of the diets and they understood what they needed to do to lose weight but almost like they they didn't connect that with their own physical existence so what, what what was happening there do you think I think like all of us who set new year's resolutions who uh, declare in the morning that today is going to be different and then by five o'clock in the afternoon we're inhaling the contents of the fridge mindlessly. <laughs> Our environment and the people around us remind us of who it is we are or we were and keep us locked into that. And because we're wired, our mind is wired to wander and not be present and that has kept us, you know, thousands of years ago, if we weren't wired to wander and, and scan for threats, then we would have been eaten. Yes. And so as much as that was a great uh, uh, attribute to have for our evolution, the tigers um, that are out there now are not necessarily going to eat us. They Those tigers most of the time exist in our mind or um, in our devices. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it's it was really about – being able to, I mean, we've all set news resolutions, you know, and then a year later we set the same one again and we wonder what happened, what, you know, what happened that we wanted to be different and yet I truly believe it's our environment and the people around us and our habits that just constantly remind us of, of how we need to behave and so we get on this autopilot situation and we're, because we're not training our attention we're not uh, cultivating the opportunity to be able to call that attention back and liberate that to make powerful choices. And so that's what I saw in these people was that they had they had essentially got on this uh, roller coaster of dieting and exercise and and then their environment 
would just remind them of who it is they should have been and they'd fall off the wagon. And the thing about willpower, and, and you know more about this than me, Carrie, be, as, um, being this is your field, willpower is finite. It's it, it's like a muscle and it fatigues very quickly. So if we're relying on willpower alone to make changes, we're on a hiding to nothing. And I, you know, and I, that's why I find the people I work with, you know, mid-afternoon is their worst time for making less than f- beautiful choices. Because they're fatigued or re- they're getting increasingly fatigued. And their, their willpower muscle is fatiguing. Mm. And I think also, as you mentioned before, people underestimate um, how there's so many cues and sequences of habit mm. from, you know, from waking up to going to bed. There's so many, as you said, so many opportunities for you to be cued back into unhelpful habits did you and just as and just as those our environment can can trigger our unhelpful habits the the thing about the one minute mindfulness or the short form mindfulness is we use those environmental triggers to create mindfulness practice and so essentially over say you know a seven between seven and 30 day program the environmental cues become the triggers and so the the prime example of that and the the one that most people uh, know to uh, who work who've done my work is brushing teeth we all brush our teeth by brushing your teeth with your opposite hand you have to call your attention back yes because otherwise you end up with the toothbrush up your nose (laughs) (laughs) and so your environment then becomes and your daily routines and rituals becomes your trigger to cultivate more mindfulness, yes, which is exciting, and that's 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 where that's why I'm so passionate about this work because it doesn't have to take you know you don't have to be sitting on a cushion in Zen burning incense. <laughs> no. um, you, you make it just... sound so easy. You make it sound so easy, like <laughs> but, and but do you know, Carrie, it is, and 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 it's not. It's only because it was only by accident that. You know, this short form mindfulness is the accidental hero. It was, what can I do? I don't really understand a lot about these eating disorders. However, I do know that if I can get these people, if I can get them paying attention and deepening their connection with that um, attention, I trusted deep in my heart that they would just make better choices mm. closer to closer to the version of themselves of that, that they wanted to be. And they did. And so it was like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> A celebration. So what about um, in terms of activation? Was the mindfulness, it sounds though, as though it helped most definitely with making better decisions around food. Did you find that it also helped them make better decisions around engaging in activity or increased activity? It was incredible and and it wasn't until I reflected after not being part of the show anymore that I looked back at the people that I worked with and really um, began to notice from the notes that I was reading about them the spillover effect that their mindfulness practice had across all areas of their life. And it's sort of you don't know whether it's the chicken or the egg. You know, they felt better about themselves because they were – um, closer to the version of themselves that they wanted to experience or it was a combination of the mindfulness practice that strengthening attention muscle um, enabling them to deepen their relationships to um, be more creative to be more resourceful instead of reactive and so that spillover effect people was quite incredible that's great like that I think that what the listeners I'm sure um 
if they're anything like me, and I've mentioned it a few times before, that that we can get very sidelined um, or sideline some of our health priorities because there seems to be so much that we should be doing in terms of work or other commitments. But I think also sometimes we crave those commitments because it gives us an excuse, so to speak, to not connect with our our body and slow down, um, whether it's mindfulness or just enjoying the simple things. So I think it, it can... You're so right. You know, you're so right in terms of that where our our attention is is essentially constantly hijacked. You know, we're in this age of expansion that's that we've never seen before and it certainly doesn't look like slowing down anytime soon. You know, we juggle multiple roles, we chase our never-ending to-do lists. And many of us are entrapped in the web of expanding technology as as it advances and expands and intrudes into all corners of our life, even into the bedroom. <laughs> yes. Um, now, you've also had some very exciting experiences. Um, I'm sure there's been many, but I'm curious about your TEDx experience. Tell us a bit about that. Well, interestingly, one of the uh, one of the techniques I teach in my programs is the three-second kiss or the three-second hug as a mindfulness process to to deepen connection and deepen exchange with another person. And so uh, the TED, for those of you who know TED, their ideas worth spreading. And so the the TED conferences, the TEDx conferences, which were the more local uh, province-based conferences, were looking to move more into an experiential process. presentation style and so I was nominated because of this three-second hug and the three-second kiss and so uh, they were really curious and interested how I was going to get it was I think five or six hundred people to to hug (laughs) Um, and and I was really confident because I'd been doing it for years that that uh, people actually yearn to embrace and so I said that's you know that's the easy part and so uh, over a a rigorous, a rigorous audition process. I was able to um, deliver a, a TEDx speech last year, which was really, really exciting. And yeah. and the you know the five hundred and something people did stand. They were really you know reluctant, and yet once they made that connection, uh, not only did they enjoy the the exchange, but what uh, so many so much of the feedback was we hadn't realised how disconnected and distracted we were constantly, especially with the people who are most important to us. And so that just, um, you know, propelled out and now uh, lots of the time that I'm interviewed is is around the three-second hug and and the three-second kiss. And the three-second kiss is is more something that I recommend for um, intimate couples to... For 30 days, every time you kiss hello and kiss goodbye or kiss goodnight or good morning, that you hold that kiss for three seconds. And uh, the the spillover effect in terms of the deepening um, of their relationship and their connection and the, the meaning that they're bringing to each other's experience of each other uh, is it continues to astound me every single day. So what kind of feedback do you get from couples that are doing that particular homework that you said. <laughs> that particular well, it, it was interesting one of uh, one of my friends who who'd come to one of my programs you know I don't know you're probably not like this Carrie but Carrie but when I have um you know when I'm doing a, a program I invite all of my friends to come and support me to fill the audience <laughs> 
<laughs> Isn't that like hire a crowd or something? <laughs> yeah, rent, rent a crowd. But I don't pay them. I'm terrible. <laughs> and so she came along and and she decided to go home and try this three-second kiss. That, that was going to be her 30-day commitment. And so she texts me the next morning and she said, oh, she said, my husband, he loves the three-minute kiss. <laughs> Three so, minutes. <laughs> yeah, so she'd taken it a little bit literally, and I'm not sure what happened after that three minutes, but I, I, can, I think we can all imagine. Uh, but there's lots of techniques in my programs that I share, and the three second kiss is one of the most popular bits for our for the for the couples. And the feedback that I get is just that they, again, it's not that they thought that anything was wrong necessarily, although some people use it as a a, re, a renewal technique. It's that they didn't realise because their attention had been so hijacked, they didn't even realise that they weren't connecting. You know, the peck on the cheek, the pat on the butt, they thought was enough. It wasn't until they engaged and paused in that kiss. And three seconds is a long time when you used to just um, snippets and sound bites. Yeah. Like and to, yeah. to pause in that, that three seconds calls our attention back and it calls our attention back um, inwardly but also outwardly to the person that you're in that exchange with which is uh, really important and you know with all of this distraction going on what we know and, and what's really alarming in the research is the researchers that I talk with is that because we're, we're spending lots of time disconnected and distracted and uh, it's pruning pruning lots of the pathways for things like empathy and compassion and kindness away in our brain. And unless unless we can redefine our relationship with technology, with stress, with distraction, then what that means for our young people is that they're not going to have the the ability to be able to look to us as role models. Mm, interesting deepening connection it's it's astounding it's scary but at the same time it's really amazing that there's so many emerging sciences out there that are recognizing this and helping us to begin to redefine our relationship to busy to success to stress and so it's it's yeah it's amazing carrying out of it well, likewise, it's, it sounds very similar to some of the work I do with um, training health professionals to um, get greater connections and hopefully better outcomes out of their clients in that in some cases, like what you're talking about is more in the home environment, but certainly from health professional to client, in some cases, they the health professionals often believe that the, being disconnected is safer. And so, of course, I'm not wow. talking about you know and and that disconnection is safer because if the if the client doesn't or patient doesn't succeed in these lifestyle changes then i can attribute that to the client um or or failings in the client's capacity to to make effective change mm-hmm. and so a lot of the work i do is around you know building those connections um and partnership and partnership <laughs> and um, collaboration and all of those things that that's right that, and all of those things that we lose and certainly and certainly as as we monetize and commoditize things mm. we begin to lose those connections 
That's right. And automation and, you know, how many automatic emails do you get? I mean, they might use your name, but I think we're getting much more savvy for that now where we can go, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a group email to like a thousand people, even though you've addressed it to me. And I think, yeah, I think that's, um, you know, and the work I do also includes setting professional boundaries, of course. Like it's not all about being, you know, warm hugs and stuff with clients but it's oh fine. come on Karen you've got to <laughs> <laughs> well it's setting those it's those creating those touch points so I'm really curious um and can definitely identify with how that can be in a home setting as well or between partners and or parents and their children is yeah. creating just a, f- a few uh longer connections it sounds like what you're saying so it might not be that parents are snuggle it could be a snuggle on the couch. You know, your little person says, can 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 I have a hug? Can you read me a book, mum? Yes. And it's just literally pausing for long enough to to make that happen. And it's, you know, it's not it's not necessarily just in the home. I I was in um last week and the week before I was having brown bag lunches with some corporates because I'd done some corporate mindfulness work and they were three second hugging all over the place <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't inappropriate and because there's a deep connection it's it they're not distracted and so they're they're not uh there's no malice it's mm. it's two people connecting for the purpose of deepening awareness and so you know the, the corporates were were, were certainly uh, loving it and the spillover effect which is where where the rubber meets the road the spillover effect was the team had better affinity they were more productive they had less presenteeism so they were more attentive when they were there on the ground working yes I can that that would definitely there be, was mm. you know conflict resolution had had just they said we can't remember a time where we haven't had a conflict to deal with but in the last 30 days we've we've had those hard conversations, but because we've been able to pay attention and call our attention to the here and now, we've we've been able to drop the reactiveness and become more resourceful. Because every time we're stressed and distracted, we close down all of our centres for uh, for learning, for creativity, for healing. It's only when we can pay attention and, and invite the parasympathetic response into our autonomic nervous system that we can cool off the stress response, that fight, flight or freeze response, mm. and invite that rest and digest and open up those, those all of those centres for uh, kindness, for uh, creativity, for empathy, for empathy meaning walking in another person's shoes. Yes. And so just a few, a couple of breaths can invite that into your system. It doesn't mean you always respond from that place, but at the very least you have the opportunity to be a closer version of, of, of that um, ideal self, that most resourceful self. Because I think all the listeners um, could relate that, you know, there are times where when we're in our reactive state, when we look back, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and there, there are things and ways that we would have preferred um, to experience ourselves and have those around us experience us. And it tends to be when we're mindless and on autopilot that we're more reactive and less compassionate and kind. Mm. Okay, that's really very interesting. I think there's so many applications for what you're talking about. So tell us, Vicky, what have you learned? What are the main things you've learned about other people through your mindfulness work? 
the main thing I've learned about other people is that uh, their their capacity for a renewal in in being able to their capacity for kindness. Everyone, there's there's not a person that that I've um, encountered, and I certainly don't work. Um, in any therapy you know mindfulness in the way that I apply it is is not a therapy for anything it's about being able to strengthen your attention so that you can go about your daily lives no matter what's going on um in a in a more mindful and and with greater ease you know it's easy it is it, it is easy to be mindful and happy and upbeat and kind and compassionate when things are going our way it really is Mm. it's uh, this comes into play, this practice comes into play when things aren't going our way. And so what I've learned about people is that actually most people, and I have to say all of the people that I work with on a daily basis, actually want to be kind and compassionate and resourceful and they want to collaborate with other people and they want to uh, deepen and strengthen relationships, whether it's with the people around them or with their work colleagues and they actually want to slow down mm. they just don't know how to yes and as we said before it's that developing that fitness even if it's just one breath a day the mental sit-ups <laughs> so what about you what have you learned about yourself through this work well I think like like any practice or, or any passion is we are we're trying to fill our voids and I know that certainly my emotional and mental muscle at times can can uh, be hurtling out of control and so it's for me it's a it's a constant uh, mirror as I teach it's a mirror of reminding myself to to pause and to breathe and to smile and to call my attention back to the here and now so that I can liberate that attention in a really positive way for the greater good Mm. and so what I've learned is that um, from my experience in working with others but also through some pretty significant emotional challenges of my own that this stuff works yeah yeah and so you know in my deepest darkest moments emotionally uh, just taking a few breaths can lift me from reaction or despair into resourceful into a more resourceful me that's great. And so yeah, it's it, it is it's an amazing an amazing journey, and the 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 fact that I get to then uh, pay that forward is and be of value in the lives of others is a real gift, yes. which I honour every day. Wonderful. So, what tips would what what's maybe three if you have some uh, tips would you have for the listeners to keep themselves grounded or focused or things that you do. That keep you so, to, yeah. yeah, so the so the, the the really easy one is just to pause. You know, and use your environment as a trigger to pause and listen, to snuggle on the couch, to pause between um, mouthfuls of food as you in you know as you eat on the run or eat moving or eat rushing from one thing to another. The the act of pausing calls our attention back, and then to breathe to take just even just a couple of deep breaths in and long slow breaths out focusing on our out breath because that's that uh, innovates the the parasympathetic wing that cool 
cooling off system, the rest and digest system, just a couple of breaths, and that deepens our attention. And then I always like to say, you know, finish that off with a smile because the smile is the thing that can liberate our attention in a really powerful way to to invite a sense of ease and a sense of um, calm. And then that smile, if there's anybody around you, that has a spillover effect um, to the people around you. So pause, breathe and smile. Lovely. Just a few times a day and do, do it as a social experiment for 30 days, mm. twice or three times a day. And if it doesn't work, throw it out and go back to your old life. <laughs> but I guarantee it has an absolute compounding effect. And anybody that I have invited to do this for 30 days um, literally is mind blown by the effect that it has, not only in their life, but in the the lives and the experiences around them. So do it as a social experiment. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Now, how can people find you, Vicky? How can people find what you're doing and events and programs and things that you're up to? So they can um, jump onto the Wellness Couch and it's the One Minute Mindfulness Show and you can subscribe to iTunes. Uh, we have uh, Facebook. A Facebook link, link is if, you, if that's your... Um, Social media addiction of choice is OMM, so OM. And uh, you, can, you can email me at Vicky, V I K K I, at vickykelly.com um, with any of your questions or comments. And yeah, I, I work with individuals, I work with programs, I work a lot with corporate groups. Um, and we have 30 day programs or three month programs, depending on uh, where people are at and what they're wanting to achieve. But if you're just wanting some practices uh, or some ideas for your own personal life, just uh, shoot me an email and I'll be happy to send you um, a whole myriad of easy techniques that'll take you a minute or less that you might be able to use as triggers in your environment to bring about um, that more resourceful self and and invite a whole lot more kindness and compassion into your world oh well I think I'll be the first one to email you (laughs) that was wonderful and I'm sure the listeners have found lots of beautiful pieces of um, information today that can they can put into practice right away so thanks for joining us Vicky and everyone listening thank you so much for having me on your show that was fun so Mm -hmm. don't forget to support the show by telling your friends or you can go to our facebook page carrie thompson casey that's thompson without a p and like us there and give us your feedback you can also subscribe to the show in itunes and don't forget to give us a five-star rating if you like the show for more information and information about events please visit carriethompsoncasey.com Thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realise your potential. Take care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.